listening to Women's Waves, a podcast by Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter. My name is Florence Bélepage. Thanks for listening. In Canada, as in many other parts of the world, women first operated rape crisis centers and transition houses in the mid-70s as part of the second wave of the feminist movement. The Collective of Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter has been operating a rape crisis center since 1973 and a transition house since 1981. In April 2009, we invited women who stayed in our own transition house and in the second stage housing of Monroe House and Safe Choice to share their experience of using these houses to get free from violent men. I'm a resident of Monroe House. I have been here for seven months and was in an abusive relationship for eight years. Um, the support, the amazing support that I've got in the second stage transition house is that I have found a new family and the best of friends that I could ever imagine today. Um, I think it, they do an amazing job and I think it's a very important part of our healing process of these ni- this nine months of a second stage transition house. I've been in transition house since August 2007, I believe. I'm the single mother of three kids, and I've been abused for six years. I'm a single mother now, finally. (laughs) 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 It's been too long. Seven years, manipulative, abusive relationship, which I didn't realize something's wrong. I, I thought, you know, it's, uh, it's normal and uh, things can be changed. But all the dreams, you know, and uh, it's not coming. And at the end, after these two years, separation, divorce, and I finally found myself. And uh, now I'm enjoying a stage of uh, moving on, and I feel it's completely different life. I lived in the rape relief house uh, last July, me and my son, and uh, basically I grew up in a violent home and uh, every relationship I'd been in was violent and it was normal to me and uh, I started getting quite violent at the end of my relationship and uh, I figured that somebody was going to get hurt and... uh, it was probably not going to be me, so I didn't want to really go to jail, and I knew I had to leave. <laughs> I came to Rip Relief uh, last year in April, and I lived there for five months. I'm a single mom of five children, and um, I've been with this abusive relationship for 20 years, and finally I'm free. It's not. <laughs> It's not an easy process, but uh, yeah, being strong and um, I believe in every woman, uh, we are really, str- every one of us, we are strong and we'll, we'll make it. I'm a mom of two beautiful children and um, 
I stayed at Vancouver Rapely when I first left my husband and I've been separated with, from him for almost six years now. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> so I'm very blessed to have had Vancouver Rape Relief be there for me because they taught me to, they empowered me. They didn't give me the tools to just leave, they gave me the tools to gain respect and grow as a human being. And um, I'm just so blessed to have them also. And I met my best friend there too. So. <laughs> I'm a single mother of four kids. I was in an abused relationship for 18 years, and I've been abuse-free for six years now. And, um, <laughs> and as she said, we both met each other at Vancouver Rape Relief, and we forged a friendship. And we've helped each other from going back into abusive relationships. So we've been a, a support system between the two of us. Uh, myself and my children, my two children, stayed at Vancouver Rape Relief in 2006. I went to Rape Relief quite reluctantly, actually, because I was really afraid about being in the transition house because I had heard so many terrible things. But I went to a place that was nothing like what I had heard. So I now am a collective member of Vancouver Rape Relief. And process over the past couple of years have been amazing, and um, I'm just thankful that I did make the step to be there. I am from Mexico, and also very proud because I left uh, I left an abusive relationship. I am a mother of a three years old boy, and I was in the second stage, um, and. All that I felt is a great support that I will never forget. So all that I can say is uh, women have to give that first step in order, in order to start a new life. when my baby boy was born I look at his eyes and I said this is not that I want for him I want to provide him a good life and they deserve the best and in order to provide him a good life I have to leave this abusive relationship I have to be a happy mom so in order to be a happy mom, I have to leave this quickly because I don't want my, my boy hear all the abusive words and all the fighting and horrible stuff. I, don't, I want him to, to be proud of the family that I'm going to provide him. So that was the reason I left, because of him. And I'm very proud because he's a happy boy Otherwise, I think he wouldn't be happy. I think he would be sad or with some psychological issues that is always uh, behind of those abusive relationships. I wanted to say the reason why I left 
my husband after 18 years was mainly for my daughter. I was brought up in an abusive family, domestic violence. I learned from my mom that it was all right for a man to beat her up and call her stupid and worthless. So I decided that when my husband started beating me up in front of my daughter, I realized that she was going to learn these same things that I had learned from my mother. So I realized that um, I was not going to let my daughter live like that. So that was mainly the reason why I left, to teach her that a man is supposed to tell you how wonderful you are and how beautiful you are and, and never raise his hand towards you. And so I'm hoping that my daughter learned that from me when I left. I was the, I can say I was one of the most stubborn, strong-minded women who believed in the traditional marriage, you know. I was really dedicated and working so hard to change the situation for the marriage to stay longer. And I believe that my, would be provide my son a, perfect, a family of <coughs> parents together. So I've been struggling. I went into the transition house in the 203 after an incident which uh, I was being charged you know, and everything. I still went back after the transition house. I, I still not clear of what's happening and uh, I still went back to the relationship. I even, you know, beg forgiveness. Or, and then and the same situation happened and the incidents inside more chaotic happening. And uh, I didn't see it, but I keep contact with the relief and the workers gave me advice slowly, they gave me knowledge, they nurture me and uh, I grow, you know, my sense of uh, equality and the right, that sense inside of me, they like uh, wake me up, you know, that sense. And uh, I had a value and slowly grow. And then, you know, and after later on, um, just in 2006, I went in transition house again. I went in voluntary by myself with my son, bring with my son. And this time slowly, and uh, I keep contact. I was really, you see, they put lots of <laughs> effort. I grab lots of their energy. You know, I will make phone call. You know, and uh, suddenly a little happen. I will ask. You know, but at least I have a sense something wrong. You know, I'll ask, and they will tell me, oh, you just this. You know, this is what kind of relationship. You know, and that I now you know uh, slowly I enjoy more peace after all the separation. I know where's a point, where's a problem. So I'm. I can, I can, you know, face him, avoid him, you know, not let him grab my weakness, you know. I know that's, that's how he manipulates. I know the way, the knowledge of how they do the things. And uh, because I learned from lots of women of what type, you know. And I feel now I'm grounded. So that's how I left. Mainly it's for my little boy. I have, we have a little boy. And the little boy, I see his changing, you know, at the beginning I was scared, I couldn't raise him, you know, I'm not calm enough, I'm the nervous person. But later on, I see the more, like, I, I, when he's, uh, I, when I provide him the stability of not come back and go, like, a, and against a fight and leave, not, I stay the way, being single and just firm, and then, and he's, uh, I see the change on my little boy, and I know that, that, that's the life, you know, we want because he, he start telling me, mommy, this is nice, you know, and uh, I can relax, you know, I don't need to be, you know, it's better than life before, what he told me. So that, that gave me more stronger belief that I made the right decision and uh, 
it keep me stay here and uh, I decided to leave my um, my ex-husband uh, I think about three years ago after the 20 years together with him the main reason I decided to leave him is probably because of my children for the love for my children he's been abused me like for 20 years and my oldest boy he's 18 now and he's been seeing that since he's a little boy until now and from him growing up, I can see the pain and the struggling and the confusion. It was really bad. And then um, I decided to leave it because my daughters are very close to me and um, they have to see weeks after weeks him beating me up, uh, strangled me and seeing all these bruises on me, the bleeding and constantly. Um, when they have a fear and they constantly come and beg me, Mom, you have to leave him. You have to. And I still have a fear. I always think, I guess traditionally I thought it's a shame for me to leave your husband. And um, there's your parents, your relatives, your friends. You know, you, they were laughing at you. That is the, you grow, you, you're being raised that way. And I'm always trying to be perfect, try to please everybody. But finally, I can see in my children's eye that they're being afraid that one day, like he will, they're losing me. Uh, it's my daughter. She's 12 and a half now. She's the one that is probably like every day she's come and beg me, like I have to go to the police. I have to report him. And one day he hit me really bad. And I already been talking. I've been calling the rip relief and talked to some worker, and they've been telling me. Um, you know, to come and um, the next time he hit you, just come here because it's a safe place. So that's what I did. He hit me really bad one day and I sat my children at the park for two hours. I don't know what to do. And she's one of my daughters. She encouraged me. She's like, right now is the time you have to go. So finally, that's why I end up at Riverview. That's three years ago and I'm still struggling to um, you know, get away from him because he still won't leave me alone. He's the most abusive man, the most controlling person, and I still have that fear in me. I, I have the freedom now, like I know that he's not there, but the traumatizing, the things that he did to me, it's still engraved in your, in your mind, right? I have to come back to Relief last year. That is still Two years after I left him, he still come by and assaulted me so badly. You know, I have restraining order from the police, but that is just a piece of paper. It's not going to protect me. I know. Um, but since I, since last year, I li uh, live at the uh, Rip Relief and Women's Shelter, um, the support and from I received from the worker there and from talking with other women, I grew a lot stronger now. Um, so I know that it's time for me to, you know, get my freedom. That's like every human being should, you know, allow to have. And hopefully, yeah, he will leave me alone. And yeah, I think that'll be a day that none of us would ever forget. That um, I left the house um, in in August um, with three bags and a stroller. I have a five-year-old, six-year-old, and a two-year-old now. 
and I had to tell my two, uh, five-year-old, oh, we're going for a swim. So we just dressed up in casual track pants and carrying our swimsuits and expecting that he's going. And then I took a cab, and then I went to the first transition house, scared. To be honest, I feel that it was a dream. I remember just sitting in the cab and looking at the trees just passed me by, and I just didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. I was in a daze, and the minute I reached the, the first stage transition house, my son says, where is this, mom? And I said, oh, this is a new place. We're just going to stay here for a few days. I remember my first day in the transition house. Um, I had my children with me, obviously, and uh, we pulled up to the house and went inside. And I remember just thinking, look at the wall. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> And I was just thinking like, oh my God, I was very overwhelmed. But the minute that I sat down at the kitchen table and um, a big, we were just at it, <laughs> a big wooden table. And slowly, one by one, the women just came and just started welcoming me. And I remember <laughs> she came to me and she was so pleasant and she said, <laughs> She's always pleasant. <laughs> and she came to me and she said, oh, let me show you the cupboard. So I was like, okay. And so she walked me around the kitchen and she showed me where everything was and so that I could make my kids a meal for like lunch. Or, and right away, someone brought me a cup of tea and we sat around and we talked. Nobody asked me. I didn't feel, um, what's the word? I didn't feel like people were trying to dig, get all my information out of me or what time did this happen or where, you know, why didn't you do that sort of what I was expecting. And it was just uh, more of like, have a tea, sit down, take a deep breath, you know, and it just not only from the, the women that actually worked there, but just from the other women in the house were so warm. And it was just, it just took relief. It was just a sense of, it just gave me that sense that I'm doing the right thing. And then from that day on, it was just, I felt like I had a, a home, you know, until the, I left. <laughs> and then I had a real home. And it was a home <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I had plan I called rape relief because I finally decided I was going to leave and I planned I planned my escape for a week and I called rape relief on a regular basis and they supported me and told me what I was supposed to do how I was supposed to escape they told me what I was supposed to do and uh, so when my husband when my ex-husband went to work I packed up all our clothes and put it all in the van and we went to rape relief and we went and I just want to say I want to thank Rape Relief because if they had not been there, who knows, you know, whether I would still be alive or what he would have done to me and the kids. And um, they were so welcoming. They, I just feel like they saved my life and my kids' life. And they are so nice. They're all so nice. You know, I don't know what to say. They're just like, they were so good and and just 
being able to leave the 18 years of hell, you know, and meeting my best friend there, who, you know, is always, it was such an amazing experience. I never know the, the name of Great Relief before that day, the first day. And my first day was after I released relief from the jail. I was being charged assault and I have nowhere to go because police put a restraining order on me and I cannot go back to my house and I cannot see my kid. He's living in my house. Police give him my credit card. And the, the assault, it's he told me is to punish me. He called the police finally. And it was he breaking up the drunk at night and I tried to push his head out of the window and I used, I was holding the key and the, the key scratched his head here and he lied to the police. I used a knife to, he jumped inside and called the police and he lied to the police. I used a knife to scare him. Police didn't <coughs> let me say nothing and grab me to the jail and give him my credit card. And uh, I, in the, after the jail and uh, the officer in the court and they didn't, you know, I, I was lost. And someone, I don't know who, Elizabeth Fry or someone in the court bring me there in the court and made a phone call for this transition house. And they guide me there and to go inside and I was so lost, I was so scared. And then for all these years, I, I didn't know the name there is transition house to help me. And uh, I, my, because of my traumatic childhood, so I kind of, it's so hard for me to trust someone new. I, I thought it's only my husband I can trust because I gave him everything, you know, and he promised everything, you know. So I was still thinking, probably he just, you know, just he, he will change his mind. He'll probably, I'm too stubborn, maybe if I be nice, back him back, and uh, he will be nice to me, you know. And so the transition house, it opened my eyes. They told me that this is manipulation and I didn't believe at that time, but they planned a seed on me. And uh, they opened my eyes later on to show me more of what he, his words, everything, you know, it's what he playing. So the first day I feel lost, but I feel someone accepted me. And I feel that nice feeling that when I have nowhere to go and uh, I have be I belonged to that, to that place, you know. And they, I feel so comfortable because I've been accepted as a, like a family member there. So later on I went back, but I still, I, out of the relationship I grow, you know, with contact and they help me out. So it means a lot to me. I can say, you know, when someone has no place to go, even from the jail, and I really, you know, cannot forget about that day. I want to thank you, really. I stayed there. Later on, they even helped me get my son back, my house back. And uh, they reversed the restraining order on my ex, and he moved out. So. Just for the record, Selena, you did that. We just try not to interfere. <laughs> um, when I first called the rape relief, I was uh, really reluctant to be honest with uh, anybody about the situation I was in. And uh, 
I was paranoid that I'd possibly lose my son due to what he had been exposed to and uh, when they reassured me that they wouldn't report me or anything I thought thank God I can finally be honest about what's going on with my situation and uh, then I had planned to move in like about a week earlier and uh, when I got there my son was relieved and I remember he said this, is this all just moms and the kids and no dads? And I said, yep. And he said, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was really relieved when I found the And I knew I, w I was going to get the help I needed and uh, that they could understand all my issues that I had. And, uh, yeah, I was just relieved. And I felt like, thank God, I'm going to finally get what I need. <laughs> yeah, it was really positive for me and my son. One part I liked about the dinners was I, um, I learned how to cook like food from different cultures. Lot, lots of um, like Chinese and um, I learned how to cook bannock <laughs> and she's teaching me how to cook curry <laughs> so that that's one of the biggest parts I liked about it was that you you learn from different cultures and you taste different kinds of foods and you learn how to cook it instead of just like going to a restaurant and just eating it. <laughs> I think that um, <clears throat> all women, no matter what background you come from, I think we all, food is comforting. So just to be able, it was so nice to have everything there. Like if we, I remember being so stressed out, so I started to bake, <laughs> which I did not very good. So bless the woman for like trying to eat some of it, probably. But there was like, you know, I could, I could go into the kitchen and it felt like it could be my kitchen. It didn't feel like I was in an institution or, you know, I came from a foster care background. So I wasn't, I was assuming a lot of places like group homes and things like that where they lock the cupboards and you know, but there you could go in, if your children were hungry, you could go and make a sandwich or if you, and that was just so comforting to be able to just, you know, so I think it puts you at ease to not worry, because that was my biggest thing, you know, you worry about how you're going to feed your kids or, you know, like it's a, at 11 o'clock at night, well, we'd all be sitting, all the women are still up, we can't sleep, what are you going to do with eight? <laughs> so it was just, but it was so nice because the food was healthy and then like you said we could cook together and I think it helped the women bond with each other because he, like you said we would appreciate like cooker teriyaki chicken <laughs> we'd all appreciate it and we'd, you know and it would kind of make you feel good to be able to do something nice for someone else because when you're in a transition house you're depending on others for food and for shelter so to be able to cook was kind of a way of like at least doing something, feeling like you're you're giving back or to helping out, which I think is important just to be able to, you know, feel like you still are productive and doing something. So. 
I remember, I think for all of us, um, putting food on the table for our children is the most important thing. And I remember at the transition houses that I opened the cupboard and I saw stuff that I've never seen so much. There was never a day in any of the, in the transition house where there was not enough for me and my children. And today as I struggle trying to think and calculate and how to put the food on the table, I think that one, those 30 days in that a transition house, I never had to worry about that. Um, it also helped my children, my son, who's a very picky eater, to start learning new foods. And he liked, I found new things that he started liking and appreciating, whether it would be me or anybody else. He also used to like to go peek into the kitchen and say, what's cooking there? Because he has a big nose. <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, what, that, that smells good. But I think it helped a lot of uh, my, my kids especially. It helped them to know there was so much out there that my cooking is not the only one there is. They could, it taught me that they learned um, how they liked other foods. And I think that was, it's an important, it was an important stage for me still to learn my children too. And I think those dinners were very important to me. I just want to tell how my son say uh, when he's in the car today before heading to the transition house. He was eating the dinner in the car. We were a little rushed. And he said, Mommy, we're going to transition house. Oh, I don't want to finish all the food. I want to go eat there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, OK, then you can uh, eat a little. And he said, Mommy, why the food there is more tasty than your food? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, there are lots of women. They are very experienced in cooking. <laughs> and he said, Mommy, but you're not. I said, yeah, Mommy is a learner. <laughs> And uh, he enjoyed eating there, and he feels so peaceful, and it's, he feels like the relief helped me. At the transition house, when I looked at all of the different choices of food that you had, I couldn't help but getting creative. And it was funny because there were three other women in the house that thought just the same as I did. So we made a plan with each other that we would never let a woman cook by herself. So we, we always partnered up, with, partnered up with, a, with another woman so that we can learn. And we made the most fantastic dinners. And it was a joy. I mean, it, what it did, it helped us to bond with each other. And we talked about the food. And as we sat around the dinner table, dinner table it just opened up our conversation. Because here we were, we prepared it, we cut it, we were talking all the way through. And it was just a great way for us to bond as women, talking about you know, issues in our life. Really appreciated that time. For me, I felt uh, you know, the rib relief, it's like a, like a home for me and my children. Uh, I always felt welcome there. And it's amazing, my little uh, daughter, it's like her home. And then she comes and she tells, Mommy, I miss living here so much. <laughs> yes. Um, for me, it was uh, very difficult to to decide to live in a second stage transition house. Um, it was like a stigma because uh, no matter what, I am a physician from Mexico, and all that I can say is no matter what background, the violence or the abusive relationship doesn't respect backgrounds, cultures, 
However, we have to be very strong and um, think about our child. So for me, it was a stigma. I, I, I didn't want to go, but because I, have, I didn't have a family here, and because I couldn't go back to my country because my ex uh, put a restraining order against me in the airport, so I couldn't leave the country. Uh, he wanted to see his child. So I went to the transition house and the, the first day that I was there, it was amazing. I, I felt a great relief. I felt safe. Uh, I said, this is the first day of my life, and I'm sure I'm gonna provide my son a very good life. And, um, and little by little, I started to feel better and better. The healing was better, and all the, the staff in Safe Choice were amazing, uh, always supporting me in everything. Uh, they were behind me. Even I just remember the first day I was applying, I was submitted the online application for my master's. I, they were like, yes, Marcela, you can do it. And I said, they believe in me. Like I was uh, so grateful with them and I'm still very grateful with them because they encouraged me every little moment. So I will always remember those days in the second transition house how they supported me, and I was, I was always uh, happy because no matter, like even I had that bad experience of living with an abusive relationship, I always had hope, and and that came through. And uh, uh, right now I'm, I'm doing my master at UBC and. And all that I can say is that you have to give that first step and be persistent and be strong and think about your children. One thing I found interesting was uh, all the men who were abusers, they all had the same profile, like psychological profile. It's like as though they read a book and they said, oh, this is how you abuse a woman and this is how you emotionally abuse a woman. It's like they, all the men um, were the same. The men were all the same. <laughs> <laughs> When I got to the transition house, there were two other African women living in the house also. And we started sharing our stories and our lives and certain traditional customs that we had. And what we realized that even though each of our experiences with the men we were living with were different, that all in all, the root of it is power, it was about power and control, and that no matter how little the violence in our lives or how much the violence in our life was, that we realized on the whole, as women on the whole, that um, it was all about the power that men have over women, and you know, we were able to, to talk about that with some of the, the workers there and realize, well, hey, this is, this is not just 
what's happening to us, but it's globally as women that we were all facing the same things. Yeah, I realize that um, basically the men would start accusing the women of infidelity usually, which is pretty well the most common one, and then, you know, call us stupid and no good and whatever, and uh, basically we had the same, our guys operated the same, except um, I started getting very aggressive and resentful and... I was getting crazy and thinking I was you know I wasn't even thinking about consequences really I just thought I'm I'm gonna get him before he gets me next time and you know I didn't I really couldn't afford a lawyer or anything so my son would basically be without a mom so I knew like I just gotta get out so I knew I was pretty well at the end of my rope you know I think one of the hard, one of the things that was really hard is when um, we'd be there because, like, women were saying earlier, you get to know the people that you're in the house with, and there are lots of there is a lot of women that came and went back, and I think that with the women that ended up really leaving, I think in a way we learn we discuss it and say, is it so sad when you see it to someone else? If I see something bad happen to her so easy to say that's wrong or you know when it's yourself you're blinded so it was a kind of like awakening to say wow so if that what if that's what it looks like if I go back too and um, I just think that that was a real learning experience and I think one of the most important things that I heard from all the workers is a woman would be leaving out the door to go back and any some people could look at that woman and judge her or um, you know, give her that feeling, but everyone still hugs and love, and the last thing that I always say is, like, you're welcome back. Like, we're here for you, you're welcome back. And I think that was, like, really beautiful to hear because that's what everybody needs, that everybody needs that unconditional, that feeling where you can get support. So I think that was important as well. For me, um, my main challenge right now is um, still I'm struggling with uh, the safety of myself and for my children. Um, even though I left him, uh, he's an extreme violent man and yeah, it's struggle every single day. I have to work constantly with the, the police alongside, you know, with the, the social worker and and which I'm like, I don't know, I'm just still very mad with the system here for what I've been going through. My ex, is, he came by, it's like he's not allowed to come near my house, but somehow he got in, assaulted me so, assaulted me so badly, then the ministry came and took my children away. Even though I went to the, after I went to the uh, transition house, um, and now my children have been traumatized by all this and the aftermath is, me, I'm as a parent, I have to take my kid to see counseling after counseling, and I'm a single mom with no family here, no time, since six in the morning until probably eight at night time, even more than that, eight and I get home, do dinner for my kids, rush the kid to bed, the next day start all over again. 
where do I get the help when people are doing this to me? Take my children away, traumatize them so badly because I'm the one that's raising them since they're babies. And they just took them away because of the man that did this to me and me and my children are being suffer and being, you know, it's just not fair to women and children. You're being victimized to the system. And now even after this whole thing and even people pushing me to move, move here, move there, move out of the province, and what is this man doing? Why don't they let this man out of the province and let, you know, the women and children alone? Yeah, I'm just still no answer for that. I think an, another, on top of everything else that women have to deal with when they leave an abusive relationship, I think just financially, yeah. it's so overwhelming. And just to go from living life with two incomes, and I mean, I had a job, and I had a, an idea of where my life was supposed to be, a, a certain standard of living for me and my children to be put in substandard housing, and going to a food bank, and when you're standing in a food bank lineup or you're standing in a welfare office, you don't have a sign in your head that says, you know, like, just temporary. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> I just need help today. Like, I'm not, this isn't, you know, I'm not trying to, but it's very hard and, and hard on your self-esteem and your sense of worth and to, to look at your kids and Christmas and thank God for things like the Christmas Bureau and things like that. But as a, as a person that was once functioning in society where you had respect and a job and to go to where you're constantly getting, um, trying just to struggle to survive is very, very difficult. And I think just dealing with things like social workers or welfare um, or income assistance or whatever they call it. The <laughs> name's bigger than what worth, I know that much. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, you know, it's very, it's hard. Like they should have more, a little bit more sensitivity just because, you know, you are, if you've left, you are making the right decision. Like that's the first thing you can do. So just to have that support, yeah. Well, I think um, I can say for a lot of women that I can say that I'm proud that tomorrow I can step out on the outside in the world and say that I'm free from abuse and that I can stand and I can fight not only by myself but along with a lot of other women that are here today. That's what I'm proud to say. I, I'd have to say the thing that I'm most proud about is that since moving to second stage at Monroe House, the ladies had um, helped me become more independent and able to take care of myself and my children. I'm proud of myself. Yeah. I feel I can do everything. I'm raising my son really in a way that how can I explain like uh, like I my priority on him I'm doing really I like uh, nobody believes social work <laughs> I'm a good mom really good mom <laughs> really good.
I'm proud of myself for uh, just not being victimized uh, by a man and uh, just um, having the courage to financially bite it for a while to get my, me and my son in a better situation and uh, yeah I'm just glad that I don't have to put up with a bunch of crap and <laughs> I can do what I want to not be accused of whatever and not have to worry that some something bad's gonna happen and <laughs> so yeah I'm just glad I'm in peace just feel really proud that I'm a single parent raising my five kids and I don't need a man beside me and um, yeah, we are doing great the kids are you know growing and I'm finally free I can go anywhere I want do whatever I want without having to ask permission and being afraid <laughs> yeah finally I'm free um, I'm proud of myself because I took myself and my kids out of a very unsafe situation, and yeah, <laughs> uh, I am proud of myself because I feel now that I am where I am at before I met my ex-husband. I have regained my power, I feel um, more equipped um, to help other women who's gone through the same thing and I am so happy that I made the decision to make the step to go and become a collective member and to continue this work and to encourage every woman that is facing abuse to tell them you know what you can do it alone. I am proud that um, I did it I got out of BC housing I got a good job my kids are happy and I've grown as a person and I'm proud that I didn't, in the face of every, everyone kind of saying no or putting me in a corner that I was strong and made it through. And I'm proud that the last time I talked to my ex-husband, he was like, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you don't know who I am. Women's Waves is produced in Vancouver, Canada by Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter. You can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Mixcloud, and our website, rapereliefshelter.bc.ca. What you're hearing is our theme song, it's called Sisterhood, and it's created by Music Liberatory. <laughs>